PlayStation. Oh, yes, indeedy. Welcome back to another episode Sheep Station Dynasty Podcast. Joined by the usual suspect guest, Ha. How are you today, uh, mate? Yeah, pretty good. Um, not too bad. Can't complain. Not the what best is... week of football. You were pretty excited, but um, yeah, look. Yeah, I was not bit, super. Bit not great on it. Too right. Point sixty-nine. See if he figures out that he's still muted himself. <laughs> Classic Zoom, right? That's probably the most said thing in twenty twenty-one. You've muted. Up, oh, you're still on mute. Yeah, I just did that for the for the gag. <laughs> for the lol. You said we needed to up the energy. Get some get some more humour in there. That was a, that was a good joke, right? <laughs> Too right, too right. Look, week six in the books, job done. Tell you what, not the not the well. There's debates of whether it's a good week or a bad week, but uh, what do we think? Any games that stood out to us? Yeah, just like a lot of one-sided games, I guess, particularly in that early window when you kind of get up for a four a.m. Sydney time and you stumble out onto the couch and there's a few games on and there's just you know nobody's catching touchdowns everywhere and, and nothing's happening for your fantasy team. The games mm. are one-sided. It was a bit disappointing for me. But then, yeah, again, that, that Seahawks and Bills game got exciting at the end, even though it wasn't... Do you a... mean Titans and Bills game? Yeah, Titans and Bills. The, the Seahawks. Seahawks and Steelers game was not fun. <laughs> <laughs> the Seahawks and Steelers game was similar in a way. Um, yeah. Poeta, anything to stood out to you, mate? No, a lot of um, teams getting... Bent over and destroyed, right? Uh, and I think there was. Look at the, some of these games: thirty-four to six, thirty-one to three, thirty-one to thirteen, twenty-four fourteen. That one's probably a little bit because the Cardinals thirty-seven fourteen, like. And then the Bengals smashed yeah. the Lions, like. A lot of teams that just did it comfortably and not necessarily like they blew it out in, in amazing fashion, but they just were the better team and had it easier. I think. Mm. Well, that's uh, thirty-four-six Ravens over the Chargers. That was a bit of a uh, bit of a surprise. What do you reckon? Bit of an off day for old uh, old Herbs. Yeah, I don't know what it was. It was just one team was there to play and one team wasn't. I guess. Pretty much, yeah. That seemed to be what it yeah. was. But, uh... I think that's the the Ravens' game plan as well. If they can get to this, like get a lead, grind into the ground, and then you try playing from behind, you just fall into their lap, right? Yeah, and they just hand the ball off to every one of their old running backs and all of them seem to score this week, yep. which was fun Lavey to watch. Bell took his walker into the end zone. It was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Even Defunde Freeman, he came out of the retirement village and strolled one in. Good times. But, yeah, look, here we go. Week six is in the books. Uh, you know, got our standard segments, but um, we, we, we started to have a look at a few uh, classic catches for this week. Obviously not sponsored by KFC, but we're going to say they're KFC classic catches. Few that we noticed. I'll uh, I'll put mine forward, and it was uh, Julio Jones. Um, pretty funny little, uh, just a deep ball, hit the guy in the face on the back of the head, I should say. Bounced up, Julio Jones with the, to- the toe track swag on the sideline. It was absolute classic catch. You can't expect a falcon into catch to not make this segment, and that's that's taken mine for this week. So, boys, do you have one? Yeah, for me, uh, it's Adam Thielen doing his best. Uh impersonation of sort of like lounge room knee footy and he's he's for some reason he's like almost laying on the ground before the ball's even thrown and he just sort of like lunges forward and catches it pretty much out of bounds and he's just like knees are lying just in and he gets the touchdown it's pretty cool copped it in the face too so yeah. there's a lot of people copping balls in the faces <laughs> Jamal <Pointer. Adams. laughs> yeah, he's the best in the nation Pointer. yeah my one goes out to Chris Evans um his little 
cat end zone catch in the corner for the touchdown was pretty good, uh, especially from someone you probably weren't expecting to see make a catch like that. Um, I was very impressed with it. Definitely. Yep. So there are three classic catches this week. Uh, KFC, if you're listening, just uh, reach out. We wouldn't mind using a meal. So when we have a week as a sponsorship, we have a KFC like promo video for this. And the, the one that we're going to always come back to is like that highlight that starts this Julio Jones one. You reckon was like it's a classic uh, catch. Well, yeah. I mean, how often do you see a falcon into toe drag swag? Yeah, not much. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, and he got the pi flag as well. Craziness, crazy play. Was that how many catches did he have again? Oh, probably two. Yeah. <laughs> Enough to beat you. Yeah, true. Yeah, sorry, mate. Had to be done. But uh, yeah, look, we'll keep going. Um, we'll put a vote on, and everyone can vote on their top either ABC, Julio Jones, Chris Evans, or Adam Thielen. Um, we'll see who takes out the weekly classic catch. But uh, as I said. Waiting for those zinger meals, and I think they're an absolute shoe in to be in my mailbox. Well, that would be disgusting, actually. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, KFC is cold straight from the drive-through window. Imagine how cold it would be in in your mailbox. True. Right. All right, Pointer. All right. So we're ready for um, this beer review for this week. You got it. Did you get that? Oh, that was solid. Yeah, yeah that's the best game so far. Um, so on today's uh, review list, we have <laughs> it's from. Episode. Let me just recheck that I've got the yeah, it's from Little Bang Brewing Co. Um, Only a little bang? Yeah. It's That's a disappointing. Double New England IPA. Um, and it's called Imperial Undercover Fashion Police. Um, there's a fifteen and there's a Hasta La Vista baby or Hasta La Vista Hazy underneath it. Um, this can is uh, nine point five percent, two point eight standard drinks. Jesus. And it is it is throwing major GTA vibes like <laughs> I would say copyright infringement level good it looks like a GTA 3 GTA Vice City merge um, game cover on this I've seen it and yeah can confirm it is it is 100% if they haven't paid royalties then they're going to get sued when you sent us the photo of this I thought you were actually <laughs> going to say I bought this when I was online on GTA 5 and then somehow got it off the game because it's in GTA 5 <laughs> All right, let me let me have a sip. Good air. That's, that's good solid. Are you drunk yet? That's <laughs> <laughs> no, really guys in the 99th percentile in every single compound yeah, and drink yeah. this beer. It's very smooth, very strong. Um, well, let me what is a double New England IPA? That is intriguing. Uh, no idea. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody will know. Um, I, I didn't buy this beer for the um, type of beer. I bought it because it had GTA vibes on the on the label. <laughs> Did it come in a two pack or a four pack? Four pack. How much was the four pack? Sixty bucks. Oh, I think it was like thirty five dollars, maybe. <laughs> Crikey! So this is top shelf stuff. Um, <laughs> we'll play so, I mean, through it. It's the first. This is the first round. This, this is a strong. This is gonna get your points fantasy points this is oh wow it's definitely top three first round pick wow i'm mm. getting look, so next year it'll be four first round picks yeah i, I think it's hard <laughs> to like go out and give this be um derrick henry rating um just on on the limited sample size we've had with it but <laughs> let's let's just go with um <laughs> off a big week like this week jonathan taylor oh okay that's that's pretty high price yeah yeah very high praise. Jonathan Taylor doesn't really seem like the uh, steal your car and run it into a <laughs> pedestrian type, but uh, 
yeah, I, I like the comp. I mean, you got to run him down and catch him, I guess. So, yeah. a little bit of that going on. How good. Just yeah. um, ease up on those, mate. We don't need you to too <laughs> smash by the end of this. Bloody hell, that's 2.8 standard drinks. I'd be cooked after that. Absolutely cooked. Imagine having four of those. Yeah, it's like a half a case. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Worth every every penny of the 35. It might 35 be a whole case of 4X summer if you're... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I, could, I could drink 24 and I wouldn't be as drunk. <laughs> that's fantastic. All right. Great job, Petey. Love it. Um, we'll keep it up. Obviously, still unsponsored. All of our segments are still unsponsored, so if anyone wants to sponsor anything, feel free to. If you can knock over half a pallet of beer, you can uh, sponsor the Rookie of the Week segment that we're about to talk about. And uh, Ewers, we'll let um, Pete breathe, have a sip of water. You can go first, mate. <laughs> <laughs> might need a whole bottle. Um, <laughs> all right, I had uh, Jalen Waddle, 10 for 70, two touchdowns, uh, quality game from him. Tua looked a little bit better as well, I think, even though they lost... Um, so you're promising signs for him. <laughs> I mean, I just knew it was going to happen in <laughs> London. It, there's always an upset game in London. In London? Yeah, Wait, have you seen Tottenham? But, have yeah. you seen the video of um, there's a Dolphins fan commentating the game, right? And he's calling out all the players and all the staff, and he goes, you do not go... F-, like, and he just... When they go for it on fourth down right at the end, he's so filthy, he literally <laughs> is crying. Uh, <laughs> the emotion is... Because it's just him... He's got all these Dolphins fan gear behind him and everything, and it's just him sitting there commentating the whole play, and he, his excitement level builds up. They get down there, and it's like, no, no, and he's filthy. Yeah, well, everyone's multi-blown before they even woke up, so... Yeah, yeah true, right. Fire out. Bloody Dolphins. Anyways, yeah, play on. Should I keep going? Uh, I really liked Khalil Herbert this week. He got the opportunity to lead the backfield there, and he, he really took it, so it was 97 yards. He got a touchdown, had a couple of catches... I think you'll start to see him um, actually move into sort of the starting role, almost like the David Montgomery role, but maybe not quite as high a percentage of touches, and you'll see Damian Williams play more of what he has been playing, so I think that's what I'm expecting from here, and Najee Harris uh, is just volume, like, you've got to give him a point, because fantasy is fantastic, but it's just not really very exciting to watch, it's... uh, Death by a thousand cuts. Oh, it's it's as boring as batshit, but the fact is that I don't think the Steelers would be able to move the ball without him. Yeah, I just wonder, like, how good is, would he be if he was in maybe a better team but with less carries? I'm he not even very, saying very good. He, he would probably be fantastic, but, like, would he be breaking off long runs and things, which he's not really doing, which is a bit disappointing. So. I definitely think he would. Uh, you know, the guys behind him, if they were the main ball carriers, I don't think the Steelers would be able to go anywhere. Like, his yards per carries down, um, obviously, because, you know, behind a terrible offensive line or, you know, struggling offensive line. But I think if, they, if he was any worse, I mean, he gets a guy on his face, he can actually juke him out of their pants, I guess. Um, as opposed to what like a Benny Snell would do if he was in the game, it just just wouldn't just be the same. So. Them, yeah. yeah, he just wouldn't be the same. So, I think he if any if if he goes down, I think the Steelers are in real trouble, and they squeaked out a win against the um, the Seahawks. But bloody hell, they look shit, and they're boring to watch. So now you got my two points. Uh, I'm going to go now. Jalen Waddle. I mean, you can't. You can't pass him up for a three-pointer this week. Two touchdowns. Uh, yeah, he looked very good. And Trevor Lawrence just gets a, a point for me. So it's Jalen Waddle and Najee Harris and Trevor Lawrence. Oh, sorry, Najee Poyer's favourite player, Harris. Uh, and then Trevor Lawrence gets one point just because he squeaked a win out as well. And, uh, yeah, his stats were pretty good. Over 300 yards. 
touch down in there as well. Um, yeah, he's 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 making improvements, making improvements. So Poyter, finish us up, mate. Yeah, no surprise. I had Waddle first as well. Um, there's no debate there. I think then the next one I put Herbert in. I thought, like Chris said, he had a really good game and really stepped up um, when they did it to against probably you know decent defense too. Like uh, they're not really doing much else that. Um, Chicago offense that isn't trying to run the ball, so good to see it. Like you know, you would, sometimes you'd think, oh, maybe this is an opportunity that the rookie comes out, you know, sixth round pick or whatever it was, comes out and the teams know they're going to run and he just gets nothing right. You think maybe you'll get something, mm. but he actually came out and performed really well. So thumbs up to him. Um, and my last one, I threw out Fryer Pat. Yeah, in our tight end premium league, he had a fairly decent week for you without catching a touchdown, seven from seven for like sixty something yards. Uh, Not bad. Yeah, I think mainly it was hard because. You know, I've been copping shit every week for throwing Najee Harris in, so I had to, <laughs> had to try to avoid him. <laughs> I actually saw you come into the show, Doc, just before, and I thought you were going to delete Fryer Pat and put Najee Harris in because you couldn't do it. But uh, you went I with did. a different stealer because it was kind of kind of close. I did think about it, but uh, I was just, oh, I copped too much shit if I change it. <laughs> so it has, does that mean you've broken that contract and he's now going to come after you? Or? No, my contract's sort of similar to like the... Peyton Manning, Eli Manning thing where it's it's only a f- guaranteed for a few weeks of the season and I have to actually put him in. Ah, you know. okay, gotcha. Yeah, it's actually, um, yeah, his, his father-in-law will come and beat him up if he doesn't <laughs> maintain it. So. A couple of honourable mentions here. Um, I, I probably should have put Khalil Herbert in there, but um, I didn't actually watch much of him, um, so that's why I can't really say much. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson's getting a bit of an increased workload. Um, liking the look of him, big dude, but... He's also catching passes, which is a bit of a surprise to me. And then Chuba Hubbard filled in admirably for Mr. McCaffrey. Mm. Um, he's definitely usable if, a lot if of... CMC stays out. So if he's if you've got CMC and you don't have Chuba, uh, I think you've made a mistake there. So yeah, probably. There's a lot of good rookies um, that are actually performing start like you know that you can put into your team and start them up right. Um, mm. It's definitely these top level ones that we're, we're sort of including here, but that's. The part, the point that's interesting, I think, is this is a quarterback. So everyone's saying amazing, like top twelve fantasy points from the quarterback, or well, that twenty sort of plus points a few weeks in a row, which is sort of limiting them for this award. I think long term. No uh, appearance from Jamar Chase here. He only caught four balls, ninety-seven yards, still though. So that's mm. that's still decent. Yeah, but we've been set up to expect a lot. Yeah, that's that's, that's the thing, we're... right? Yeah, yeah. Expect him to score Jewish. every week on a long yeah. bomb, and yeah. yeah, yeah. This is it's shit week. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even get to a hundred. Yeah. Oh, what? A, that's pathetic. It's only eleven point seven fantasy points in half PBR. That's just pathetic. Get better. What about his block though? That was that was pretty good. Everyone yeah, and he got high praise from Burrow for that as well. Yeah. Um, high praise from a lot of people actually. You don't mm. see many people doing that. So, so good on him. Yeah, good on him. Good on him. Well, so I mean, that's our yep. Play no, on. I said he's he's done really well. Like, did that team sort of move in the right direction, I think, so. Definitely. And I think, oh, yeah. you know, if you're coming out of that preseason, everyone was real panicking over him, eh? Yeah. He's really just shut up a lot of people. Um, yep. Very, very good. All right, let's move on. Uh, you as you're uh, in control here for this main segment. Yep. Done a bit so, of work, mate. Yeah, I went through and uh, wanted to look at, like, when you trade for a pick. So when we were talking a lot last week about selling all your players to get picks um, when you're in a rebuild, what are you actually getting back for that? Um, how often does the pick that you make keep its value across a couple of years? And um, how often do you make value on that? Because I think something that's sort of like 
my approach to this is almost like a stock market. Um, you want to you want to pick up those players and and build value in your team, and you can do that with draft picks pretty easily. So, I went to a trade calculator. I used uh, Dynasty One Hundred One, but um, yeah, it doesn't really matter what trade calculator you use. They're all going to have some odd values in there every now and then, but most of the stuff is going to be pretty um, easy to follow and pretty obvious where there's um, sort of a big oversight or it hasn't been updated yet. And so I took the value projected for the picks and then I took the current value of the players that were drafted in our league um, in the first 40 picks for the past three years and just looked at what had happened. So I wanted to look at hit rates and things like that. Um, so I guess it's pretty hard because no one listening can see it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> first of all, yeah, what stood out to me is the big values tend to change a lot more. They're they're a lot more volatile in the first year. But then um, as you sort of move into the, the next year or two, the players sort of settle into nothing or their seat, their career value kind of situation. It's rare that players suddenly jump up in value after a couple of years. And um, also just probably what stood out to me is that 2020 was just a really good draft class. Um, we've got 11 players in that class with a top five pick value versus five and six in the other two years. And the average player value is 50% higher across the whole 40 players. Um, so their average value is 700 compared to 400 with this trade calculator. Yeah, well. So pretty pretty crazy stuff from that year. And um, if you're looking in through it, it's pretty obvious why that those top four um, running backs and JT, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, DeAndre Swift and J.K. Dobbins have all maintained or, ex- or like grown in value significantly got Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb who are still there. Cam Akers even, he's way down in value because of the injury, but he's obviously had a lot of value. You had Justin Jefferson killing it. T. Higgins doing great. Yeah, just so much depth in there. Or right down into the second round, you got um, at the end of the second round, we had Antonio Gibson go, and he's the second or third most valuable player in that class. So it was, it was a pretty good one. Chase Claypool in the third round. So just a lot of depth, even Justin Herbert with pretty high value. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so looking through the hit rates, um, I looked at a hit as being uh, have the player having increased their value to jump up a spot or around, depending where it is. So mm-hmm. higher up in the, um, in the order, they want to increase significantly, whereas lower down, they don't need to increase by as much. Yep. Um, the hit rate for 2021 was 20 players so far, but if you actually look at the amount that they've increased by, it's a lot less than the increase for the players in the later years because obviously there's a small sample size, so you, you don't want to go all in right away other than maybe Najee Harris and, yeah, Jamar Chase. But, uh, yeah, 17 hits from 2020 uh, versus 11 in 2019, but uh, where it starts to settle out, we had a similar number of players sort of maintain their value, 13 and 14 in 2021 and 2020, only four in 2019. So that leaves 25 busts now 
for 2019. So what I'd say is after a couple of years, your players really start to either they are something or everyone gives up on them pretty much. Is that where you guys were kind of thinking? Preto, what did you take from this, mate? I think to answer Chris's question, I think there's some guys here if you look at like had we look at 2019 where we started from, they're just now they're worth they're worthless. They're like they're on no one's rosters. They're, they're never going to be around again, right? If they, even if they do show up, it's going to be a shock. No one's going to really want to have it, have them or value, right? So it is sort of that level of you find out fairly quickly, especially at certain positions. Like a running back gets older, doesn't start, less likely to get an opportunity, right? A wide receiver, you know, we talk about this a few years before they can hit their hit their stride, but that's not doing nothing for a few years. It's like. Um, Perhaps McCall Hardman, for example, had been on the field a lot, caught a lot of balls, and if he was to break out this year, that'd be like a what we expect, but not not someone like a, a Hakeem Butler who sort of fell off a cliff and is gone, right? Yeah, Marquise Brown's probably your your perfect example. Yeah, he's a good one there. In the in the trade calculator, he's actually only worth two sixty at the moment, so they haven't really caught up to what he's done. I'm not sure when this was last updated, but um, yeah, he's he's suddenly jumped in value. Like if you were trying to trade that value for Marcus Brown now, there's no way that you're yeah, going to get that. So, um, Up to yeah, October whereas, 7, by the way, so it's a few weeks old. Yeah, so you've got players, you know, like Bryce Love and Justice Hill, Darwin Thompson, Reichel Armstead, Quadri Olison. They're, they're all like Benny Snell, even like less than 10 as their value. So they're, they're below a fourth round pick. Mm. It indicates that pretty much most of those players, like most of the busts, other than the ones that were drafted pretty early, are probably on waivers, even in a dynasty league. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, obviously, each class is going to be, each year, of course, is going to be very yes. Im- uh, important to do your research, I guess, is, is what I'm trying to get here. Because, you know, that, that 2019 year really, really stands out to me. I mean, everyone was raving about Josh Jacobs. Uh, you know, he's going to be the next whatever. For his value to be halved across two years is is pretty dramatic. Miles um, Sanders, same thing. I still that, that that value there is probably high for what he, what people mm. are actually valuing at, valuing him at, which is nine sixty six in comparison to say David Montgomery at thirteen eleven. Um, yeah, I don't know it, it's tough to take each kind of thing here as you know this is this is guaranteed what's going to happen. What, what do I take from this? It's it's. It's probably the fact that if you've got the the proven quantity, it's worth more than trading him for picks. If you've got Jonathan Taylor, why would I trade him for two first-round picks when I've got, let's just say, three out of ten chance that he's going to be a bust? Yeah, basically, that that's the, the fear there, is that the bust rate for that first round is is way too high, and it's, yeah, it's pretty, right. pretty frightening. And that... Um, Sorry, Peter, go on. Oh, I guess I was saying that in that bust rate, there's like a sort of a trend that sort of happens mid-round, right? Like mm. the first picks are normally the locks and like, of course, you get the choice in the litter. Um, they seem to come out solid and strong. But when you look at some of these, you come back like the Justin Jefferson, he was 109 in that 2020 year. And then you look at the AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, they're all like past the first, what like they're the, the competing teams are picking these guys up if they've kept their picks or the those late first round picks are still just as valuable, if not more valuable than the mid, like the three, four, the four, five, six 
I'm looking at here, right? Yeah. Some... Well, I mean, <laughs> that 2019 of our data, that Miko yeah. Harmon pick at pick six, I don't know what was going on there with Stracker. Paris Campbell at five. Paris Campbell. Yeah. A lot of, lot of hype no, built from a particular somebody, exactly, and then someone getting exactly... a handcuff for a wide receiver. <laughs> that's exactly when you get hyped into the draft and hyped into landing spot over talent, I guess, yeah, is yeah. the real answer, right? Yeah. DK Metcalf is the perfect example of that because everybody raves about him. And then all of a sudden, somebody says, oh, he didn't have a very good three cone. And then everyone just lost their mind about one uh, little detail. He run the and, nine route. Yeah, well, well, great. Like, he's <laughs> going to go play with Russell Wilson, who literally only throws nine balls. And that, like, that means he's going to go a long way away from the line of scrimmage <laughs> and catch a ball for a touchdown. <laughs> also, he's six foot nine and 700 kilos <laughs> and somehow still runs a 4 2. But in saying that, like, you know, we were, what, this was our first rookie draft in Sheeps 1. I mean, I bought into it as well. Nikhil Harry was my wide receiver pick, wide receiver one that year. Uh, you know, you, you kind of buy into the hype yeah. pre doing your research. So, I think you'll you'll notice that the picks as they get further in your dynasty career, you're going to make better picks and smarter picks. That's for sure. But the the research you do is going to really determine if you're going to be a hit or miss here. I mean, it's tough. It is tough. But I, I honestly, this has completely sold me on the fact that I don't want to buy picks here <laughs> for for known quantities. Um, that's for sure. I mean, older running backs coming towards the end of their kind of um, their prime and their contracts and stuff like that. Yeah, fair enough. You, you you might be able to rebuild that way, but geez, it's risky, hey? Yeah. So a couple of other things that just sort of stood out to me in there, and then we'll get to a few talking points. Um, sort of the later round picks. If you look through who's really maintained or like held on to value in the fourth round. It's generally your tight ends and your quarterbacks. Um, they tend to, because they've sort of got a longer development period, if you're picking up them in the fourth round, you're probably going to hold your value. So particularly sort of when there's, uh, you know, non-superflex obviously, but but Mac Jones sort of sliding down to the fourth round because no one really thinks he's going to be anything. But at the end of the day, he's still a starting quarterback. Mm that's young and could go somewhere. So it's people are going to give him two years to fail, basically. And then in that third year, that's when he'll drop off. So, um, yeah, it, I guess what I took away from that is if you've got, if you picked up one of these higher upside running backs, because obviously the tight ends and the quarterbacks in a non-super flex league, they're going to maintain their value, but they're also probably not going to jump. Like Justin Herbert is 794, and that's about as good as you probably could hope. That's crazy, for a, isn't it? For a quarterback to go up. Um, whereas, you know, Chase Claypool's 1,200 from the same year. Mm. And, um, yeah, I'd probably say, like, comparatively in their their own position group, there's there's one that's, that's much higher um, up the list than the other, and that's Justin Herbert. So, yeah, the, the converse lesson from that for me is that probably if you've you've got a wide receiver, you haven't really seen much from him, or you've got a running back and you haven't really seen much for him, they're a handcuff, um, they're going into their second year, if you can sell them even just back for what you got, um, you're probably coming out with another chance to see if you can hit, hit a Terry McLaurin or something um, before they lose their value completely because all these running backs that are... I mean, basically the running backs aren't hitting unless they're the top three picks. They're, they're the only ones that are really, like, 
going off. And there's there's obviously a few little exceptions, but this is my other takeaway. That sort of after the first couple of running backs that you know are locks to be good, a lot of them are just total busts, just like Keyshawn Vaughn, just nothing. He's worth nothing now. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to even find more. Zach Moss, you know, you knew he wasn't going to be this, the every down starter and his value is sort of holding at that. It's it's never going to jump up. It's very rare that these running backs sort of leap into, especially if they're behind someone like Alexander Madison, he's going to maintain his value because if he goes down, you know, but it's only valuable to one person really. Mm. So yeah, pretty much aim for running backs at the top. If not, I think you're probably almost not worth picking them. Yeah, I think it's trade before they lose the value, right? So we're mm-hmm. we're looking at just we we might actually put this we, we'll share this with with the listeners. Um, you look at 2019. Anyone after the second round that's a running back is essentially just here in red, uh, as they've lost all value, right? You you wouldn't even be able to get a fourth from there. And we're looking at people like the running backs in this kind of area. Hang on, someone's someone's trying to update something on my computer. Um, we're looking at Bryce Love, no value. Uh, Justice Hill, no value. Darwin Thompson, no value. Rockwell Armstead, these guys in the second third round. Uh, you look at the next year, 2020, I mean, Keyshawn Vaughan, you, you wouldn't be able to get anything for him. Zach Moss, hard to sell at the moment. AJ Dillon, useful for the um, the, the Green Bay owner, Aaron Jones owner. Antonio Gibson was a hit. Uh, but then after that, like Darrington Evans, nothing. Anthony McFarlane, nothing. Josh Kelly, nothing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's now we go have a look at this year, right, and prepare for next year. So if we get to the end of this year and you've got guys like Kenny Gamewell, oh, he's, he's doing some stuff, but... Um, who, who's in a team now that it's, no, but it's, Kenny Kenny Gamewell is probably the perfect example because he's he's this kind of player. He is your, um, you know, Zach Moss or someone like that. Like, I don't think, you know, if if he was truly a special running back, he would have supplanted Miles Sanders or mm. something like that. Your only real hope for these guys is that by necessity they become the guy because of a season long injury and. You know, if you can convince someone else that that might happen, then then they're probably worth more than to than they are sitting on your bench in hope that somebody gets hurt. Definitely, but then there's dudes like you know Larry Roundtree at the end of the fourth or middle of the fourth here that we we're looking at, um, who's gone up in value. Yep, he's not. He's never going to overtake anyone. You know, he's never going to be the starter. So sell him now before he, yeah, he if does. Yeah, you can get a third. Perfect. Plummet in value. Yeah, like you know, yeah, that's that's what I'm taking from this as well. So. There's a lot more red three years ago in that back third to fourth round than there is this year's third to fourth round. And that we'll, we'll come back in a couple of years and have a look at this and we'll see, oh, shit. Okay, so, you know, Kenny Gamer was here. He's turned to a red. Um, Jamar Jefferson, like, what's doing there? Um, he's a yellow. No he's, he's held his value yeah. somehow. But, you know, if you've got him and you can get anything for him, sell him. <laughs> I mean, just, just hope that you got another hit next year. Some of the crazy ones, just because... I wanted to have a rant. Dawson Knox is obviously just um, not quite caught up either, so he's only worth 60 at the moment, where he's probably riding a bit of a high wave. Yeah. Um, This one just makes me furious. Brian Edwards has gone up in value, according to this, to 260. I I just don't understand why people are still, you know, Brian, like, what's the hope? Did you select the box for overtime-only games? Or... (laughs) I don't know. I just don't. I don't understand why everyone's so infatuated with Brian Edwards. He's he's not done anything. It's been a year and a half. It's time to let it go. Um, <laughs> let yeah, it think, go. 
Yeah, and Nico Collins was one that I actually, I highlighted him in red because I was like, how the hell has he gone up in value? And I actually went and looked at his box scores for um, the two games that he has played, and he's actually been pretty involved for the Texans and um, not been too bad. So he was a little, uh, um, I guess, fined for me from this exercise where I didn't even really think about him at all. He's, um, he's actually been much better than I thought. Poida, anything you want to add here, mate? Anything you, you've taken away from this that you thought, okay, well, maybe I've missed something here? Uh, if I look at this, I think it's mainly that it's you've got to know when to to cut bait with some of these guys. If you get an offer for something that's, like Chris said before, if it's the same round you've got to be in it, it's probably a win uh, because they might have an opportunity and they've done good in one game, but... If they start this, like a perfect example might be of Josh Kelly. Like last season, he started, and I think he put up not amazing numbers, but he got an opportunity early on and he put up, like, you know, flexible fantasy points. I think it might have been like a 10 and a 12, two weeks. And then all of a sudden, where's he now? Like, mm. and that time I think I was offered a third, and I thought, oh, that's where I've drafted him. Why do I take that again? But you don't, I'm not getting a, like, I've dropped him, right? You don't get a better offer. And you look back in hindsight and see there's a lot of these chances. Like, You've got to be confident in these guys that you've drafted in the late round to be like, nah, I'm not going to hold on to them. Sometimes, like Chris said, it's a it's a stock market game. you just got to mm. accumulate value or re-accumulate value. And sometimes you have to cut for a small loss or cut for a to break even and move on. Yeah, um, break even, that's it. I think definitely it's the, the one of the strongest points to take here is if a running back doesn't do anything, hasn't had an opportunity to even gain some carries, even if they're drafting a fourth round running back you pick up, if he's not pressured... The other running backs have done anything after year one. He's a drop. Um, yep. You move on from him, right? And that's one thing that I like to do is build at the end of my roster with these, or even UDFAs you pick up that are that are running backs deep on our rosters because they're the most likely that if they something does happen and they become a um, you know a, a Philip Lindsay or a uh, Robinson type player, like they're going to grow the most in value. But you've got to understand where you drafted them from and what you're getting out of it, right? Hmm. Um, so I think that's like one of the strategies I've done this year is to, to, to fill my taxi with um, some of these running backs that I picked up at the end of the drafts or after the draft and then you wait and see. And like I got a week out of Khalil Herbert this week um, when I lost Demon um, and didn't have and and lost Nick, Nick Chubb and Saquon. So I was able to, able to start him and he scored me points. And Kareem Hunt. Yeah. Anyone else? Have you got a team? Yeah. No, nah, I've only got wide receivers. Yeah. <laughs> Can they can they change Kadarius Tony to be a running back maybe? <laughs> well, they did and, it for Kadarius Patterson, right? Yeah, fix his angle. <laughs> I guess my two things that I just took out of what Pete said, and originally I was looking at it as if you pick in the fourth round a quarterback or a tight end, they're probably going to hold their value. I've actually now flipped, and I think don't pick a quarterback or a tight end in the fourth round because you can just buy them for the same price in two years' time. Let somebody else hold them on their team for two years and maybe they drop them and then you can sneak them then and there's a sneaky little uh, thing here if you can get a fourth round pick chucked in and I always do it I'm an absolute fiend for it if you can get it chucked in get it chucked in just in case you do make that hit and it's you know it's it's a one in a, a by the looks of it going off you know the, the what's this 2019 it's it's a one in five chance you can hit we had McLaurin and Knox hit and then the next year you know well, it's Herbert Quez Watkins apparently have, have gained value um, but then, you know, Elijah Mitchell this year was a fourth-round pick. You might just hit on it. And if you don't, 
sell and do the same thing again. Just get a fourth round pick back and hope for the hits. That's that's about, what I'm 100% about, going to be keep doing. It's volume at that round, right? If you're gonna yeah. if you're gonna be selling, you got four fourth, fourth round picks, right? Yeah, you got a chance to hit that Terry McLaurin yeah. or whoever. Like if you don't, if you sit there and play and be like, oh, I'm going to sell my high picks for to buy players of value. If you that bloke will give you a four like uh, a fourth round pick back, even if it's this round year or whatever year, mm. just always look to get that little pick back. You're not going to necessarily. It's not always going to hit, but like knowing that you get an extra shot at hitting is that chance to get that. My my part to it as well would be if you can sell these running backs that are probably never going to be anything right, you can get a third or a fourth back. Well, you've sold that running back to probably one or one of two maybe players that are interested in it, and now you've got a third or a fourth that everybody will take in a yeah. trade because everyone's interested in draft picks all the time. They're happy mm-hmm. to get a draft pick, whereas you know someone like uh, where's Eno Benjamin... This this trade calculator has him worth 13, which is like somewhere at the end of the fourth round. I would say most people would turn it down, but obviously there's somebody out there that's ranked him high enough to still be worth 13 points. So, you know, maybe there's a chance you can sell him to that one person and now your fourth is worth 13 to everybody. So yeah. that's the, the benefit there. Yeah, I love it. I think there's, there's a few lessons we can take out of it. Um... But yeah, that's definitely one. Just get a, get a pick chucked in. Who cares? I mean, you've got a chance of hitting, right? Uh, and if you don't, you, you cut bait. And I think, yeah, this is definitely the message I'll take, right? Like, you, you've both said it, and it's it's kind of rammed home. Uh, if Don't be afraid to just take an L or uh, sell for the same value. Because if, you, if the guy hasn't done it after a year, chances of them doing it seem pretty low, right? Based off what we've looked at here. So if you buy him for a third, and you sell him for a third, that's not always the worst thing. So that's what I'd be taking out of this for sure. And we'll share our, all of this data with everyone. Yeah, if you want access to it, hit us up on Twitter and I'll, I'm happy to give anyone the link to this. It's it's a pretty pretty crude looking spreadsheet with lots of colour everywhere, but um, if you can make sense of it, it's pretty interesting data. Petey? No, I was going to say, one of the big points that I want to focus on, and it's about like... What do you like? When you said it good, then remind me more. It's like, don't be afraid to cut bait with someone that are you ever going to start them? Mm, That's the thing, right? That's the thing that I always look to. Can this guy ever be started? Like, is he ever going to be good enough to start in my team? And is he ever going to be like, and there's a level that is he going to be like, I look at the two levels one's my starters, one's my hoping the next level guys that can become starters or they're like the flex plays. Uh, on bye weeks type thing and then there's the guys that I'm next level that I'm hoping they can move up to the next like to that flexible option yep. and if they don't if those guys there's a hope there right and once they hit a certain age the hope's starting to dry out mm. you just gotta what are you gonna let them you're gonna drop them right the, yep. the fear the next thing is you drop them so if you get something for it to it like you have to be early enough because there's a it's a very short time before like there's a hits a cliff um, and the player yeah. falls off value. So That's a great point. Am I ever going to start them? And I think, I think there's, there's a lot of people that get kind of attached and sentimental towards their picks, right? They're like, oh, I made this pick. It's only been a year or it's only been two years. Yeah. Maybe he's going to break out this year. Well, are you really going to bank on that? Can't you just sell him for what you bought him for and then try again and hope for, hope for the hit? 
and you know the improvement. I think that's there's a lot of sentimentality to drafting, right? You draft your guy, especially in Dynasty, right? You've got him forever. You draft your guy, you get stuck. You think, oh yes, this it's going to be this year. Oh yes, it's going to be this year. Like I don't know. Let's let's take for example, uh, who's a player that's kind of right on the border that everyone was in love with. Uh, <laughs> Arcega Whiteside was a good example. Everyone last year was like, it's going to be his year this year. I'm going to hold on to him. He did absolutely nothing in his rookie year. I'm going to hold on to him for this second year. And then you get halfway through the year like, oh, okay, JJ Arcega Whiteside, I've still got him. Maybe he'll do something. Maybe I'll just cut bait, walk away. Yeah. Yep. All right. Anything else to add here, boys? Good little exercise. I like it. No, I think that that was pretty much it. Um, yeah, like I said, hit us up if you want the the info. Thanks, Dynasty One Hundred and One, for the your trade calculator. I use it all the time just to watch player value. Um, mm. Not so much for calculating trades or anything. It's just a. It's good. I really like to, to use. Trade, right? Yeah, and I like to use it to just sort of see how my players are being perceived by others, basically. Mm. So I keep track of how my players are valued and whether they've suddenly shot up, particularly the ones I drafted this year. Cause like I said, they're the most volatile ones. So mm-hmm. if I spot someone who's jumped up in value, try and sell them. Yep. Definitely. I think it's definitely worth keeping a look at. Um, even, you know, you don't have to check every week. It doesn't update every week, but nah. you know, a couple of times a year, just have a look, see where your player is. Um, see if there's any change, if it's gone up, down, make a move. If, if, you know, you see they've gone up by like double, you think, oh shit, maybe I can sell eye on this guy and, and cash in, or you know, you've you've scored yourself a, an absolute steal. But uh, happy days, keep it a, keep an eye on it. Uh, hit us up on Twitter. Um, what's our thing these days? At Sheep Station Pod on Twitter, Facebook group, Sheep Station Dynasty Pod, uh, and Sheep Station Dynasty Podcast on Instagram. If you want uh, to take a look at this little spreadsheet that you has created, definitely hit us up on those. Mm. And yeah, good times. Are we All done? Right. Yep. Until next week, boys. Always a pleasure. Ciao. We'll catch Wait, us. Someone call me the courtesy bus, please. <laughs> <laughs>